Let's dig into Galatians 5, 13. Here we go. It says, for you were called to freedom. Everyone say freedom. freedom. Say it like you're William Wallace and say freedom. freedom. There you go. Some of y'all got it. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Look at your neighbor and say, serve one another. Yeah, yeah. Through love serve one another. For the entire law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit. I'm going to say, walk by the Spirit. If you have a Bible, I want you to underline, highlight, box, circle, triangle, star. Walk by the Spirit. This is key. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Skip forward to verse 22 with me. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, everyone say live by the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Is there more? I'm trying to remember. Let's just keep going for fun. Uh, 6 1 says, Brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Let's go ahead and pray together, friends. Jesus, we need you tonight. We need you every single day. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and show us how beautiful and how good the gospel is, how good our Savior is? In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Nice and quick, nice and simple. All right, Galatians 5, 13 through 6, 2. This passage is all about freedom. One more time, everyone say freedom. Do I have any, like, history people in the room? You, you actually like the, the part of school that has to do with history? Wait, wait, raise your hand high if that's you. That's like... I feel like 4% of this room. I'm with you guys. History was great because it's not math, and I sucked at math. So I was like, all right, I'll be good at stuff. Wow, math gets people passionate. All right, yeah, so I, I did enjoy history growing up because math was just not it for me. So, so we're going to go with a little bit of history real quick to start this message. You guys go with that? A little history. In the year of 1862, September 22nd, 1862, this one dude named Pre President Abraham Lincoln announced the Emancipation Proclamation for the first time. Shh, settle down, settle down. The Emancipation Proclamation for the first time. And 100 days later, Lincoln's proclamation was official, which said that all persons held as slaves are and henceforward shall be free. Everyone say free. This was, this was one of the first proclamations that brought an end to slavery in our country. We brought an end to slavery in our country and in the states that were associated with the Union. If you know anything about the Civil War, you know there are kind of two sides to this battle. Sadly, from January 1st of 1863 all the way through June 19th of 1865, this proclamation meant nothing for hundreds of thousands of slaves who didn't live in states that were part of the Union, which included the state of Texas. On June 19th, 1963, Major General Gordon Granger stood holding a document from the Union Army's headquarters and announced 
to the 150 slaves that he owned, that his family had owned for decades and decades. They had owned generations of slaves. He, he had 150 slaves. And he read this document signed from the Union Army that said, all slaves are free. And that day, 250,000 slaves were freed. This came two and a half years after Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation and two months after the end of the Civil War. What's fascinating to me about this story is what it shows us is that freedom is absolutely meaningless if it's not actually experienced. You with me? Like freedom is, is absolutely meaningless. It holds no power if it's not something we experience in our lives. Right? Like, like to talk about the concept of freedom, to hear about some other people out there that, that, are, that, that live in freedom, that's awesome. But like it means nothing for like, like a change in someone's life if they are not the ones experiencing it as a truth. Are you with me? Are you with me? Like, like freedom is meaningless if, like for these slaves, like the Emancipation Proclamation meant absolutely nothing if they were in a state far away. Two and a half years, they continued to be mistreated. Two and a half years, they continued to live in harsh labor as slaves. Even though in other states, some people were free, it was not something they had experienced as truth, which actually meant anything for the way that they lived. What I also want to propose is that freedom means nothing if it doesn't actually mean something for people as a whole. Right? Think about how meaningless freedom would be if any person who ever fought for social justice or freedom did it just for themselves and like no one else. Like, like can you imagine how meaningless that would be? If someone was like, oh, I, don't, I don't like the way that things are, so I don't care about the, the like thousands or tens or hundreds of thousands in the same boat as me. As long as I'm not in it, I'm Good. That's no true freedom. I want to ask us this question tonight. What is freedom? What is freedom? Because we're seeing here that like freedom is something that needs to be experienced. We see in Luke chapter 4, 18. Can we up on the screen? Luke chapter 4, 18. This is a beautiful passage. Do we have it? Hello? There it is. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. It says, oh wait, no, this is not it. I'm just going to pull it up in my Bible. It's cool. Luke 4, 18. We have this scene where Jesus, early on into his ministry, he is baptized and he goes and is tempted in the wilderness for 40 days, 40 nights. And as he comes out, he reads this text from the prophet Isaiah. And in this text, Jesus says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty. Everyone say liberty. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. And we see in this moment Jesus, he wraps up the scroll, gives it back to the, to the person at, at the synagogue. And he sits down. And it's like this epic like mic drop moment of Jesus being like, I'm him. Right, like, I'm him. Like, like saying, like, and he says, literally Jesus says, today in your hearing, this scripture has been fulfilled. And what Jesus says as he comes onto the scene, as he's about to start his public ministry on earth, he says, hey, I'm here to set people free. Everyone say freedom. We know this passage in Galatians 1. It sounds a little silly. Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Free, And we can hear it and be like, well, duh, right? Like for freedom, Christ set us free. But what this is saying is if you read it backwards, Christ has set us free so that we can actually live in freedom. 
Jesus didn't give his life on the cross, raised three days later and say like, freedom is kind of a thing, but it doesn't really matter if you live in it. Jesus desires for us to live in freedom. Now what is freedom? The Oxford Dictionary, which I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, is a, it's a terrible definition to the word freedom, says this. It says that freedom is the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants, without hindrance or restraint. Oxford Dictionary, the power or right to act, think, speak, whatever, as one wants, without restraint. Now this is a huge, huge issue, and let me tell you why it's an issue, by, by a story of a really great character in, in some great movies named Anakin. Any Star Wars people in here? Any Star Wars people? I, I am under the, the opinion, I'm pretty sure it's just like truth, but I'll just say it's opinion, that Revenge of the Sith is the best Star Wars movie. Any, anyone agree? Yes, yes. All I know is it's not The Force Awakens, it's not Last Jedi, and it's not Rise of Skywalker. Those movies are terrible. Terrible. Don't even get me started. The worst movies. I, wa- I wasted so much money. But anyways, in, in this movie, Revenge of the Sith, like, if you know what happens, right, you have Anakin. And, and Anakin has, like, experienced some trauma, right? Like, like Buddy's gone through it, right? Like, dude, that's that sad boy hours, like, like mom died in his arms, <laughs> Mom died in his arms, and then like in Revenge of the Sith, we see like what consumes Anakin's mind is like these dreams of like his wife dying in in labor. And, And so Anakin is like terrified of this happening. And so his primary goal is to figure out through the force, how do I keep those who I love from dying, right? You track with me? Dragon with me. This is this is big. Like this is like literally the hinge point that turns Anakin, this great Jedi, into Darth Vader's because he wanted to be able to control something. He wanted to be able to control like life or death. He wanted to be able to be like, okay, I want my wife to live, so I'm going to do anything and everything I can to make sure I have that power. Everyone say power. He wanted that power. He wanted the freedom of being able to keep people from dying. And what we see is because Anakin wanted this so badly, he was willing to throw out the Jedi order and step into the dark side. We'll just say the dark side of sin for tonight. Easy enough, right? And he steps into the dark side. Like, what do we see Anakin do in Revenge of the Sith? Like, all of a sudden, like, he's, like, crazy and violent. Like, he, like, almost, like, killed, like he basically kills his wife. And then, like, he also, like, kills kids. It's like, like, Anakin, like, has a complete, like, what in the world happened to this dude? Which, let me tell you, like, Revenge of the Sith gets me in tears, bro. Like, like you watch these moments, you have like Obi-Wan, like, you were my brother, Anakin. It's, it gets me, it gets me. But like, like you have this, this moment, like because of what Anakin wants and because he tries to pursue getting what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, it costs other people their lives. You and I as human beings, if we think freedom is all about getting what we want, it leaves us in bondage and it leaves the world we live in, in bondage. Are you tracking with me? Are you with me? So what is, what is freedom in Scripture? We see in the Greek in the New Testament that, that this word means liberty from a yoke or a burden. Freedom from earthly restraints or, it's, I love this definition, the liberty to do the will of God. Freedom is the gift of God given to us so that we are able to walk in the will of God. Free from sin, free from the bondage that destroys us and destroys the world. And what I want us to see in Galatians 5 this evening as we close up our series is that Christ's freedom is is deeply rooted in love 
and humility. Everyone say love and humility. Christ's freedom is deeply rooted. It can't be understood or experienced without understanding that like, it's like basis is on the basis of love and humility, which is in complete opposition to the world. So this is what I want to do. I just want us to read some scripture, go through a few verses at a time and see the world's definition of freedom in comparison to scripture's definition of freedom. Are we good for that? Go ahead and let's uh, open back up to verse 13, Galatians 5, 13. This is what Paul writes to the church in Galatia. He says, for you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. One more time, everyone say, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word and one phrase. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The world's definition of freedom is this. That that freedom is all about using your freedom to serve yourself. Using, Using your freedom to serve yourself. To get what you want. And like what's crazy is like our world like praises this and uses this language all of the time. What we think like we constantly need is just like to be able to have what we want. That like the way you use power, the way that's like you like you like use your ability to choose is to get whatever you want, to serve yourself, to serve your your flesh, to serve your own passions. But this is scripture's definition of freedom. That freedom is found in loving our neighbor as ourselves. Freedom is found in loving and serving one another. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. What I want to propose to you tonight is what makes like this freedom real is that, is that when we love our neighbor, when we serve one another, it gets our eyes off of ourselves. It gets our eyes off of ourselves. I want you to try to imagine this. This is like completely utopic. And I know like we'll never really experience this. But try to imagine this with me. Imagine a world where like in your daily life, like moment to moment, like your thoughts are not constantly filled by thinking about like what people think about you. Can you imagine? Like if you never ever thought again about what like the people around you think about you. Or you weren't thinking about what, like, like, what do other people think about me? Like, or maybe you think, like, well, no one, like, maybe, like, you're not, like, the insecure type. It's like, you think you're just the stuff. Good for you. Like, you think you're the stuff. And so, like, when you're thinking about other people thinking about you, you think that they're just, like, in awe of you. Like, wow, this dude is, like, oh, my gosh. Like, people want to be like me. Like, either way, like, whether you're thinking about it from, like, you're, like, you're insecure and you're constantly, like, oh, like, what do other people think about me? And I do this enough? Do I look? Like, am I big enough, tall enough, like, pretty enough? Like, what am I? Like, imagine a world where you, like, your eyes were not constantly on yourself. Like, can you imagine that with me? Imagine how beautiful that would be. Imagine, imagine the type of freedom you would experience. If you weren't 24-7 in, in bondage to thinking about what other people think about you. In bondage to, to needing the approval of other people. Imagine that. Because this is something that can be truth and reality for those who are in Christ. 
Because what we see here is that, is that when we live in, in the world's type of freedom that says to use your freedom to serve yourself, what does this lead to? We see in Galatians 5, 19 and 20 that, that Paul gives this long list of the works of the flesh. We see sexual immorality and impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. We see drunkenness and orgies. We see all these things that we go to when we think that those things will make us happy. When we think those things will make us content. When we think those things are what leads to freedom, to getting whatever we want. And the problem is that when we go to those things, it actually leaves other people in bondage, right? Like when we're living in sexual immorality, like, like we, we maybe think that, that like sexual desires are all about what I want. Like we may even use language like in pop culture about like you have like a right to like to satisfy those desires. You guys ever heard that? Like you should, like you should, like you, if you have those desires, you need to fill them. You need to do something about it. And like what we see is that like lust and sexual immorality, like all these different things, like, like these don't only leave you in bondage to sin. It hurts other people, Right? Like when you're, when you're lusting after other people, all of a sudden you don't see those people as, as sons and daughters that Christ gave his life to give freedom to. You see them as objects. You see them as, as mere things for, for you to get like satisfaction. Like when we, when we go to other things, even good gifts that God has given us for a specific season within a specific time. And when we go to those things to make ourselves feel happy. We're enslaved to those things. And those people, those things are also in bondage because of sin. So the world's definition says that freedom is all about getting what you want. But scripture's definition that there's freedom found in loving our neighbor as ourselves. Let's keep going. Verses 22 through 25. It's a familiar passage for many of you if you grew up in church. Galatians 5, 22 says this. But the fruit of the Spirit. Everyone say fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Everyone say, live by the Spirit. And say, keep in step with the Spirit. This is key. What do we see? The world's definition of freedom ultimately comes down to Power. Everyone say power. How many of you guys like in, in like where you're at right now in your life context have ever had the thought of like, once I move out. <laughs> I didn't even finish what I was going to say and everyone's like, yeah, every day, every day. Like once I move out, once I have the power to choose what I eat for dinner every night. It will be ramen noodles and orange chicken or whatever. Like, like, right? It's like once I have the power, once I have all of this control, then I will experience freedom, right? Like how many of you guys have ever thought that? That's like the greatest thing hindering your freedom you think is like your parents, like living in your parents' home, right? Like, like man, once I move out, like once I get there, I'll have the ability to choose whatever I want. I have so much money. I'll be working like a minimum wage job. I can go get Mickey D's anytime I want. Freedom, right? Like, like we think that freedom ultimately is defined by power. And, and we even see this in the world we live in, right? That's like the people that we look at as the people who are living successful, happy lives, who are actually free from all like the earthly constraints, are the people who have the power to be able to get money, 
They're able to go where they want, take the vacations they want. They're able to get any, any person they want, have sex with any person. Like, and we think that like, that's what, what freedom is, is if you have the power to choose. Everyone say power. We think that's what freedom comes down to. But scripture's definition is simple. That the way that we receive freedom is simply by walking by the Spirit. Everyone say walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit. Go back to verse 16 with me, which sets up this whole, this whole passage. This is what Paul says. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Pay attention. Keep that, keep that verse up, Brandon, if you can. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Notice the order here, because this is super important. And this is a misconception that keeps so many people away from Jesus. This is how most people think. Do not gratify the desires of the flesh, and then you can walk by the Spirit. Right? Like, like so often we think that like this whole Christian thing is all about, don't gratify the desires of the flesh. Hey, don't say that word. Hey, don't watch this. Don't say this. Don't think this. Don't like, and we think that Christianity is really all about, don't gratify the, the desires of the flesh. And if you master that, then like maybe the Holy Spirit will show up and be like, hey, Respect, like you're pretty good at this. <laughs> you can just dap yourself. Yeah, like, like respect, like, okay, like you're, you're good at like not gratifying these desires of, of the flesh. So like maybe I'll walk with you for a little bit. I'm going to keep my distance because I know like, like you, you'd be a little wild sometimes. So you, like you might fall back into it. But like I'll, I'll walk for you for a short bit. What does it say first? Walk by the Spirit. I'm going to say walk by the Spirit. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Friends, can I tell you something that's beautiful and really, 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 really good about Christianity? Can I? Yeah? <laughs> Nate said, sure. Thank you. Right? Like, something that's amazing about Christianity is the fact that, like, what our faith, like, hinges on is not how good you are at denying your flesh. That's not the bottom line. Like what makes you valuable here in this room as a brother or a sister in Christ is not like if you haven't slipped up into sin in the last like two days or in the last week or like if you're, if you're like super clean, like you got all your stuff together and like you never mess up. That's not where your value is. What the gospel offers us is, hey, because you can't do this by yourself, because Apart from Jesus, you walk in sin because the desires of the flesh are what's natural to us, right? Like, like you look at this list and like what are the things that you see? Like you see envy and jealousy, strife, we see idolatry, we see sexual morality. All these things that are really, really natural, right? And they're like really, really normal in like the world we live in too. And so thank God that Jesus isn't saying, if you get really good at managing your sin, then maybe I'll give you the privilege of like, I'll show up and walk with you. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Friends, hear me. Imagine if the people in your school who don't know Jesus knew that's the heart of Christianity. It's not don't do this. Stop saying this. You can't do that. Hey, oh my gosh, don't like, how do you even speak that? How do you think that? Like, what if they knew the heart of Christianity is that there's a God who came so he could walk with them every single day? That's a lot more beautiful. That's a lot more hopeful. That, that has a lot more freedom and good news than simply saying, stop sinning, right? Scripture's definition is walking by the Spirit is freedom. Let's go down to verse 26. We're going to wrap up here in a few minutes. Verse 26 says, let us not become conceited, provoking one another, 
envying one another. Really want us to catch this tonight. As I was, as I was praying, asking the Lord what he would have us speak, or what he would speak to us. This is big. The world's definition of freedom ultimately has to do with having what you want. Right? If you go back to Oxford Dictionary's definition, the power or right to act, speak, or think as one wants without hindrance or restraint. What our world says is that you will experience freedom and happiness and joy and all these things if you simply have what you want. And scripture has something else to offer. Scripture's definition of freedom is contentment. Everyone say contentment. Contentment. What a great word. And sometimes a, really cha- sometimes a really, really challenging word, right? What we see in our world, especially in like, in like America that we live in, and like for many of us, like the area of like Colorado Springs we live in, like we are consumers. We, like we are consu- like a consumerist culture to the max. Like if you need proof, like go out from this church, look at all the restaurants, that are like like 45 seconds from us. Like if, if you're like if you grew up at this church, you knew like a world where like a lot of these things didn't exist. Like after church, it was like, where are we gonna go? It's like, well, we have to go to like Chick-fil-A on Academy. Like that's where God's presence dwells after church. Like, like that was like the only only place. Like there was nothing close to here. And now it's like you look out like these windows and it's like you got 20 options for like what your late night bite is. Right? It's like you can go get some tacos. So let me say, the only time Taco Bell ever, ever hits is like past like 9 o'clock. Right? Other than that, not it. Past 9 o'clock it hits. But like, like you can go get a burger. You can go get like a shake, fries, tacos. Like you can get anything you want. We're used to being able to have anything we want. Right? Right? We're, we're used to being able to have all these things at our disposal. We're used to being able to look up anything we want. We're used to like, like we, we get so many things, so many options that are meant to, to try to make us happy, that are meant to try to satisfy us, to satisfy our desires. And what the world says is that you can experience freedom if you have everything that you want. Right? Like how, many, how many of us think that? That if one day we had enough money, then like, <laughs> Jack said, yeah. <laughs> my, my boy said, quick, yeah. Like, if I had enough money, I could go get some King Supers donuts. I got you, big dog. Or like, like, if, one, like, if, I, were, like, if I could have a relationship like that couple. Oh, they're couple goals. I'm not looking at anyone because that's weird. So I'm like looking off. Like, if I could have a relationship like that couple, then I would be happy. Like, I, all I need is a boyfriend or a girlfriend who's like that. Any of you guys ever thought that before? Uh-uh. The people who raise their hands quick to these things are like really expose themselves. Thank you for your honesty, Dylan. That's awesome. Right? Like, right? Like, like how many of us have thought like if I had a friend group like that person, if I, if I was able to be as good at that sport, at that talent, at that, like, if I was able to be or do that, I would be happy. How many of you guys have ever thought that before? Yes? Yes? If you're not raising your hand, I'm just going to tell you, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Right? Like, like for so many of us, the way that we live is rooted in discontentment. And we think that the only way we can actually experience freedom and happiness and purpose in this life is if we had something else. Yeah, Jesus is great. Yeah, like, you know, church is great. This is great. But like, if I had, if I got the scholarship for that sport, that would assert me. It's like, I'm the guy. If I, if I had that relationship, then I wouldn't actually experience loneliness. If I, if I had fill in the blank, I would be able to live the good life. 
But what scripture offers us is contentment. If you look, if you look at earlier into Galatians 5, back at this list of the works of the flesh. Look at so many things. We, we see lots of things listed, but there's a pattern here where Paul talks about enmity, strife, jealousy, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy. He lists off all these things that honestly, I think if we were to be honest, we see those as like not as bad of sins as like drunkenness, like going around, like sleeping around, some sort of addiction. Like, like we would think that probably like, yeah, everyone like struggles with envy or comparison, anger. At least, like at least I'm not like addicted to, at least I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sleeping around and doing crazy stuff. I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not like partaking like drugs or I'm not like getting drunk every night. I'm not doing like what the world does. But pay attention to what Paul says. The works of the flesh, which by the way, after he lists all these things, he says these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. So we should take this seriously, right? Like, like if we read this in scripture, like we should take it seriously. What Paul lists is envy, dissensions, rivalries, division. And friends, what we see in our world over and over and over and over again are all of these things. Right? Like how many of you in this room, like when you walk into school, when you're scrolling through social media, which is like the comparison trap, like that's the easiest to like to fall into. How many of you, like day-to-day life, you're envying what someone else has? How, how many of us we are, we, we, like, we don't think that we're enough or that, that our life is bad because we don't have what this person has. Let me tell you, nothing robs you of the freedom you are given in Jesus Christ. Like comparison and discontentment. It robs you. And, and what Paul is going after here, what we see in like the, all throughout the book of Galatians is that Paul is like angry and upset with the church of Galatia. Because they're seeing that the gospel is being perverted and twisted. And people are saying that like the way to actual freedom is, is Jesus plus all these other things. Like we've been talking about this whole series. And how many of us fall into the exact same trap? That it's like, yeah, Jesus is okay. And, and yeah, church is good. But like if I had what these other people had, then I would be happy. Then I'd be able to live with joy. Then I would live with freedom if I had what I Wants. Can I challenge you tonight? Everyone look at me. Everyone look at me. Can I challenge you tonight to be honest with yourself? Now, like, I, like, this isn't like a condemnation or shame. It's like probably for every single one of us, like we probably consistently compare ourselves to other people. We envy others. We, maybe we, we judge others because really in, like, in reality we're actually like we wish we had what they had. I want you to ask the Lord to search you. To know you in that. He can free you from that. Christ died so that you could live in freedom. And when you are not content with what Christ has given you in his sovereignty and his goodness for what you need for today, in this season of your life, it robs you. He wants something better for you. Amen. Amen. Worship team, you guys can go ahead and come on up. I want to get, get real practical for just two minutes. How... How do we live in freedom? How do we live in freedom and serve one another? If what we see is Christ's way is that, that contentment 
as a way that we receive freedom. Walking by the Spirit and, and not using freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, serving one another. How do we do this? Let's start with talking about serving people. Serving people. It's, it's something that can sound really, really simple, but in reality, like, a lot of us, like, never actually do it. Like, like we think that's, like, for the spiritual elite, the people who really got it all together, like, they're, like, the super Christians, and they're the ones who actually, like, volunteer in church. Like, let me just, like, this is a super, super easy way to do this, but I think it's important. Like, I know they're, like, like on, on Wednesday nights when we're, when we're combined with junior high, <laughs> like, from the people in this room, like, I, you, I hear the grunts. Like, we're going to be combining here tonight. Oh, no. My younger brothers in seventh grade, God deliver me. Right? Like, like, yeah. like I, I hear the, like, the grunts and the complaints. Complaints, not complaints. Complaints. What, what would happen? I want to challenge you. Like, if we were to catch this vision that, like, we are able to experience freedom when we get our, our eyes off of ourselves and our little friend groups and our relationships and just like us, and we are to, like, see the value and the beauty of the body of Christ as a whole. Like how, how would we serve and lead and love the 6th through 8th graders that God has, by his sovereignty and by his choice, has like put you in front of? Like God has chosen that like you as ninth through 12th graders will like be in a position where you can set an example for your younger brothers and sisters. Imagine if on a Wednesday night when we're combined, like, like you were to go and pray over your younger brothers and sisters. Can you imagine? It's a super easy, simple way to serve. But how many of us, we get caught up in our own friend groups and our own relationships and everything that's going on that we don't even think twice about looking after people who are younger? Or how about for the lonely people in this room? Everyone listen to me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Like nothing disgusts me more than when people feel like they, they come into church and they feel like it's the coldest place on earth. And like... Like, Jesus hates that. Like, open up the Gospels and see how often he's defending the people being accused who are by themselves. Like, Jesus hates when elitism, when, like, little, little groups that are, are, that are excluding people, when, like, that is in the church, when people think that's what God's people are like, so therefore that's what God has to be like, because he sees some of the people, but he doesn't see me. Let me tell you, that disgusts God. That, that, that like rouses a righteous anger in him. Because our God's the one who leaves the 99 to go after the one, right? So let's imitate that. Let's get our eyes off of ourselves. Don't let insecurity and, and the need for control or power, thinking that being in a friend group or, or having, like being seen in a certain way is what's really going to define you. That doesn't define you. It's a weak identity that gets broken like that. I want to challenge you. Take on the mindset of Christ. Ultimately, the way that we are able to live in freedom and serve one another is by abiding in Jesus, by beholding Jesus and following him. I love, this is like super, super simple, and this may sound stupid, but I think it's worth saying. When we read about the fruit of the Spirit, right? Galatians 5, 22 through 23, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Like we, we can list those off, but like notice how it's the fruit of the Spirit. This, this is so dumb, but bear with me. This is where my brain goes. Like, like, do you guys know how fruit grows? How does it grow? Uh, on a tree. Some of y'all didn't know. 
<laughs> like, I don't know. Grows from a tree. I got you. Fruit grows, fruit grows on a tree. Now, a fruit grows because it's connected to the vine, right? Because it's connected to the vine, it can get its nutrients. It can grow, become a great fruit. Think about your favorite fruit in the world. For me, it's mangoes. Mangoes are amazing. Have you ever, like, walked by a tree that, like, is bearing fruit, and you hear, like, shh, listen, listen, like, and, you, and, like, you hear the fruit, like, like, making, like, the loudest, like, gym bro, like, grunt, like, trying to get huge. So, some of y'all are now. <laughs> There's some of those, those gym people in here. <laughs> right? Like, you never, ever walk by a tree with fruit, with fruit that's, like, tr- like, that's, like, supposed to be growing. Like, the fruit isn't on creatine. The fruit isn't on bulk seeds. Like, like what does the fruit do? Like, answer me that. What does the fruit do? It sits there. Did you say that? Dylan, yeah, it sits there. Fruit, fruit, fruit sits there. Friends, like, the way that we walk in the fruit of the Spirit is not by you trying really, really hard to be kinder. Like, if you just try to be kinder, if you try to be, like, patienter, work with me. Like, if you just try to, like, master one of the fruit of the Spirit, let me tell you, you're still a slave to yourself. Just trying really, really hard by your own self-effort to be good enough, to do enough. Let me tell you, that's just bondage still to the law. And God has a better way for you. The way that you walk in freedom, the way that you are able to, to, to go against the world's definition of freedom and to accept Christ's definition is to abide in Jesus. Because who is Jesus? Jesus is the one who is patient, who is kind, who is love. He's so forbearant. He's gentle. Look at Philippians 2 with me real quick, and then we're going to go ahead and worship. Philippians 2. Great, you can go and turn down the lights. I want you guys to close your eyes as you hear this passage. I want you to try to picture this with me. Do your best to picture this with me, to, to hear these words and see these as truth. My favorite passages in Scripture, Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Friends, freedom is found in humility. And not a false humility, not a fake humility. C.S. Lewis says, a humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's not seeing yourself as like a horrible person. That's not what what humility is. What it is is thinking of yourself less, getting your eyes off of yourself and saying, Look at the mindset that Jesus Christ took on. The one who perfectly had freedom. He could do whatever he wanted. He had all power. But instead, Jesus, the most perfect person ever, walks in freedom, 
by following the will of God. What did that look like? Giving himself for you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to sing this song, the song Son of Suffering, that talks about like the, the beauty and like just like the craziness, the mystery that Jesus, who is God, took on human flesh for you, for me. And I want us to, to first of all praise him and thank him for that. And as we sing, I, I want us to ask the Holy Spirit that he would give us the mind of Christ to see ourselves how he sees us and to see each other the way that he sees you. Can you imagine if when you look at your brothers and sisters in this room, you're not judging them. You're not looking at them with hatred because they're in a different group than you because they are a church kid or they aren't a church kid. Imagine if you saw them with the eyes of your father who says, I love her. I love him. I gave my life. Hey, I want, I want them to be free. So whatever you want to do, if you want to come to the front and worship, if you want to get some space, I just don't be distracted right now. Don't be distracted. I want us to worship and, and behold God's goodness and Jesus' humility and to ask the Holy Spirit to make us like Jesus. Let's worship together, brothers and sisters.